Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Svarte Bundesliga podcast. 15 matches down and we are very much heating up in the league. It is tight at the top and at the bottom, teams are starting to pick up points. Every which way you go, there is action aplenty and we will be bringing it to you once again this week. My partner in crime, as per usual, is the wonderful Eva Lotte-Bola. Eva, we have the rare uh, opportunity this week of celebrating wins for both of our teams how rare is that <laughs> yeah i uh did that tweet on uh twitter saying i think it's the first time since the end of november 1st of december 2019 we're going to the podcast week and both our teams on this is a completely new feeling again <laughs> but yeah i'm uh happy and i hope so are you yes i would admit that after every goal there was some some this weird liquid that comes out of your eyes and uh i did have a few mates who were willing to endure the game and i don't i think we were in disbelief that what happened but yeah good to finally win that that is a nice feeling um but enough about me joining us as our experts our man in hamburg who has made it safely and it's good to to have him back on the podcast robert haggis robert it's a pleasure to have you on once again how are you doing I'm good, thank you, Matthew. Thanks very much for having me on. Happy New Year. Um, I didn't have anything coming out of my eyes during the Hamburg game on Saturday, and I don't know, it sounds like you might have an eye infection. Sure. <laughs> I'll have to get it checked, uh, you know, when I have time, but time is money, as they say in the business world, and time is goals when you talk to Marvin Dukes, who continued his excellent form from last week. He scored another brace in his in Hanover's 2-1 win over Darmstadt. It means that he gets to pour more misery upon his former manager, Marcus Anfang. Of course, the two were at Holstein Kiel when Dukes was the top scorer with 17 goals that season. It means that Hanover move up to sixth and are just on the edge of being close into that promotion battle. Darmstadt continue to struggle. And it is starting to get a little bit nervy with those teams, as mentioned, starting to pick up points either. Um, not much happened in the first half. It was relatively even. Hanover really turned it on early in the second half. And to be fair, they were probably the better side in this game. Yeah, we totally agree. I thought that uh, I think Dutch had a chance in the first half and that kind of woke up both teams a bit. But overall, it looked like um, this is this is going to be Hanover's uh, game to take. Um, yeah, although statistically, yeah, the statistics, statistics uh, would not agree. But I thought just from the way Hanover behaved on the pitch and uh, well, Basically, Dukes, I think it was uh, his first um, goal from a set pace for a very long time. Normally, he scores from open play. Um, so he kind of shows why Why do you need to assume you have me? <laughs> I, I did uh, score a brace here. Yeah, um, 
As I said, I think Hanover is improving from game to game. I mean, they always have one or two games in between where they're back to the to the dark days. Um, but I think they they are improving from last season uh, and they're becoming one of the teams that kind of yeah, fights for one of the higher places. Um, yeah, is involving in Hanover, definitely. Yeah, I, I really liked what they were doing especially moving the ball they transitioned quite well and and it seemed much of the same for Darmstadt as it has been for so long I mean there's not much you can really do about the first goal it was a wonderful free kick and um yeah I think Darmstadt did eventually grow into the game they scored the goal with Aaron Seidel and then it was all Darmstadt for the final 20 or so minutes uh including a Fabian Schnellhart effort which was brilliantly saved by Mikhail Esser but uh, Robert it's becoming really concerning for Darmstadt when you look at where they are at the moment it's two consecutive defeats they only sit five points above the relegation playoff spot what what really is going on because there is clear frustration from Marcus Anfang he can't understand why it's not happening Um, defensively they are as inconsistent as ever and when you can't, when your best striker leaves the pitch injured, it seems like it's going to be a very uphill task going forward. It's been a, it seemed like a very similar story to what's happened to them um, a lot this season. I mean, they don't really seem to have um, been playing badly at all. They just seem to lose the the key moments in games. Like you say, like you said here, they had a, a really strong period for 20 minutes. And I mean, this season they've been pretty clinical through Dozen and Kemper. Um, so yeah, I just think that that sort of, um, defensive stability, but also winning that key moment, I know it's sort of a bit of a, a bit of a vague term, but I think, I think personally, they've still got, they've still got enough to turn it around. I mean, sort of maybe similar to Bochum, Bochum last season, um, sort of having a few struggles earlier in the season and finishing strongly. I still think because a lot of teams struggle in a division with scoring goals and that's certainly something they can do in loads and you think it's probably easier to to shore up the defense than it is to, to score more goals so I think if you're Marcus Anfang you wouldn't be too concerned but like you say I mean they do need to they do, they're doing to get some points uh, pretty soon having lost three of their last five absolutely agree and you did mention the goal scoring and that's important because they've scored 27 goals that's the best out of the teams in the bottom half Next closest is Nuremberg with 22. And that's a perfect segue to talk about Nuremberg's game with Hamburg Esfau. This game ended a goal apiece. Of course, there is the joke. You could say Fabian Nuremberger sponsored, you know, Nuremberger sponsored by Nuremberger. Nuremberger scores against the club that club and the city he was born in, which was Hamburg. He scored the opening goal. Wonderful assist by Robin Huck. And then Simon Toroda. Again, there to ensure Hamburg gets something out of this game. Um, a point, uh, really hard to read. You know, they didn't really do a lot. And that chance that they that they did take from Toronto was absolutely class. Um, Robert, it's been a while since we've obviously had you on. Wanted to get your impressions on how Hamburg have been tracking. You know, they've been pretty good recently. They are back at the summit of the table, four wins in their last five. Um, it was a bit of a downer performance because, you know, they'd been running relatively hot prior to that. 
I think if you if you look at the result, a point away in Nuremberg isn't the worst, especially considering all the results um, that happened around Haasfau and um, no one in the top five, apart from Bochum particularly, making an impression. But I think what will what stuck with the Haasfau fans was the second the second half performance. Really, I think that was from both sides really a, a bit turgid and lacking in ideas, um, quite a lot of niggly fouls and sort of from, um, I mean, there was, there was a good save from Ulreich on around the hour mark and um, one from Martina as well, but that was about it. And sort of the, the last half an hour or so, it seemed like it seemed like both teams were, were happy to take a point. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the, the goal scoring could possibly be spread out a bit more. I mean, it was, as you say, an excellent finish from Taroda. Um, and apart from that, there weren't, there weren't a huge amount of chances. There was a, a header from Leibold that you, that you perhaps could have done better with in the first half. Um, so, yeah, I don't think um, Haasfau will be particularly um, sad with the result. But, um, yeah, look to do better at home against Osnabrück next week. Yeah, it's a real opportunity for them, I think. You did hit the nail on the head. It was a bit frustrating. And you look at the scoring tally for Hamburg, and we will probably end up repeating this, but Toronto now has half, more than half the amount of goals they've scored this season. 16 of the 31. I mean, you won't see something like that. Is excluding maybe what happened, he what he did at Köln a few years ago. Um, Eva, we should touch on Nuremberg quickly. It's not a bad result for them. Uh, they were without their manager, Robert Klaus, Tobias Schweinsteiger, who was an assistant under Dieter Hecking last season at Hamburg. He got the opportunity in the dugout, and I think he did a relatively good job considering um, being thrown into the circumstances, uh, having to play the league leaders. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was Nuremberg's seventh goal in the first 50 minutes. And I mean, you can see they're not really lacking coming out um, in the first 50 minutes and in scoring a goal. But their biggest problem is probably uh, to hold up that lead. Um, and of course, yeah, a draw against Hamburg isn't, um, isn't a bad result for them. But in general, I think... This is so difficult for me to really pinpoint what Nuremberg is doing this season. Um, all their games can end each way, and this is very difficult for me to actually say, okay, it's a good season for them, or it's not, because compared to last season, it's a good season. But then again, last season was a very bad example of how to do it when, you, uh, when you're relegated aside from the Bundesliga. But um, yeah... I, I did really like Nürnberger's uh, performance. Um, and, yeah, he, I think he hit the post in the beginning and, um, yeah, really got that whole game started. Um, for the 1-1 for, the one -one for, for Hamburg, I thought that the build-up build up of that goal was a bit similar to the 1-0 uh, last week mm. against Regensburg. There were some... Uh, personal changes so just from uh, who was involved in that but you could see that that it is kind of their um, style going on, on the baseline that that save from the baseline by Yasha and then scoring the goal and uh, also one last note on Hamburg or, or a question to Robert as well um, what are your thoughts on uh, Ambrosius extending his contract because in my opinion he gets more important for the team each week 
Yeah, I think that's definitely um, something that the that Haas Fall fans and the sporting hierarchy, particularly Jonas Bolt, have done well in the past six months or so. So extending the contracts with um, Jonas David, Joshua Wagnermann, Aaron Apoku, and now Stefan Ambrosius, because you think in the past with Haas Fall, um, quite a lot of exciting young talents have left for for either um, very little money or nothing at all. Um, so yeah, it's very good to um, very good to um, commit to his long-term future to the club. And like you say, he seems to be improving every week. I don't think anyone would have thought at the end of last season when he made the appearance against Sandhausen um, that he'd be such an important part of the team. But yeah, him and him and Tony Leisner um, at the back look like a, a very strong partnership. And um, the way he the way he plays the ball out the back, he, the way he plays the ball out from the back as well. Uh, is very impressive um, and is very key for the way that the way that Haasfar wants to play and makes makes quite a big difference having a, a good ball playing centre back. Absolutely. And it is interesting you bring up that St. Elson game because it does seem night and day. They you know are certainly a better defensive side and they've been able to tidy up those uh, last minute um, collapses, which is uh, for Hamburg fans, good to see. Um, let's move on to our final Group 1 game. And this game had plenty of goals, and it was Karlsruhe and Greuterfurt. Um I know Christmas was a few weeks ago, but Greuterfurt were very much in the... Uh, you know, they were in the giving mood as they gave up two incredibly comedic goals. Uh, and Benjamin Gola was the recipient of both of those. He scored a brace. The mistakes from Paul Jarkel and Sasha Boykert, who... Well... There's probably no words to describe it. Um, Harvard Nielsen and Sebastian Ernst got on the score sheet for Greuther Furt, and then Philip Hoffman got his eighth goal of the campaign to ensure that Karlsruhe got all three points. Eva, you know, we talk about Karlsruhe, a team that has been very up and down, uh, their form almost coinciding with a, a number of different teams who, when they lose, they win, and vice versa. Uh, after the three consecutive losses, they've started 2021 very well with two consecutive wins. Yeah, and I was very impressed by their performance in this game. I mean, we know that Fürth can be a very uh, difficult side to play. And I mean, um, Fürth is very good away from home. I mean, it was their first defeat uh, after 14 games in a row. So um, it wasn't any opponent they played here and they outplayed in the end. I mean, of course, you, you mentioned the mistakes by Boichard and Jekyll, which happened twice, which... Is a bit surprising for a team like Fürth, but um, yeah, they they didn't really stop fighting, I would say. And I mean, I thought in the end it always looked more like um, yeah, Karlsruhe was going. I think Hoffman had a chance before he actually scored that goal. Uh, and it's actually quite funny if you look at the goal and you note uh, if you if you look at that scene, <laughs> please note how Choi is cheering before the ball is even in the in the back of the net. <laughs> so he has a lot of confidence in Philip Hoffman, which of course is um yeah, put in into the right man of, of that team. And um yeah, I think their performance is very solid this season. They're always good for a surprise. And um yeah, Fjord really lost that game with I mean that that mistake can happen once, but if it happens twice, um I really look out for that one. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, looking back at this game and 
you know the the Yaka one wasn't was uh, was pretty bad, but the the Boyka one is a classic case of you know, potentially maybe doing a little bit too much um, at the wrong time. Um, but if you're Benjamin Golly, you're probably thinking, "Wow, thank you very much. I will take all of that." Um, Robert, you know, even mentioned uh, that Furt had gone 14 games unbeaten heading into this game. It's it's a it's not a good way to to lose because they essentially gifted the two goals to Karlsruhe. There is, however, there was still plenty for them, I think, to take away from this game. What do you think? It's not a good way to to lose the game, definitely. But I think um, if you play that if you play that style of football, which Stefan Leitl likes to do, playing out from the back, getting your centre backs and your goalkeeper involved, I think you've got to factor in perhaps once a season in not going quite uh, quite to plan. Um, so I don't think he'll be too um, disheartened. Uh, like like Eva said, they had um, a lot of chances and the expected goals was pretty similar, 1.75 to 1.73. And they and they did manage to create chances. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you could say probably Paul Yakel has been one of the best players in the in the division this season. Um, so I, I don't think he'll be too he'll be too disheartened. Um, and I don't think those two will be making those kind of mistakes again for the rest of the season. Hopefully for Furt. No, they are still in a good position though. They currently sit fourth. You know, three points behind. The league leaders, you know, they've been very, very good. Um, but we shall see how they go um, in next week's fixtures. Let's take our first break. And on the other side, we are going to head to the Jan Stadion as Jan Regensburg hosted Bochum. Borkham had a real opportunity on match day 15, the chance to go second with results going their way. All they had to do was take care of business against Jan Regensburg. Uh, in the opening phases, it seemed like Borkham had the best chances, but weren't able to find the back of the net. As the game carried on, it seemed likely that a draw would be inevitable. However, a quick bit of thinking from Robert Jules found Simon Sola, who couldn't believe his luck when he opened the scoring on 18 minutes, and Thomas Eastfeld, who... Scored a free kick the last time he was substituted on late against Heidenheim. Did so with the final kick of the game to ensure that Valfell Borchum not only won the game, but would go into second place. And Eva, we were looking at Borchum. This was a very winnable game for them. As the game progressed and the chances continued to pile up, you wondered if they would find the breakthrough. And it did take a bit of invention, a bit of luck. For them to do so, but it can't be denied they were the better team. Yeah, I would compare it to a bit to their game against Darmstadt, where the <laughs> goal scoring started that late in the game as well. Um, but I would totally agree with you; they were the better team. Um, I think uh, Ringsburg had a one chance when uh, Bella Kotschab. Uh, yeah, his pass was too short to, or it didn't really watch out. Um, but uh, Rima was brilliant in goal. I think um, he is the best goalkeeper this season. I think he has seven clean sheets uh, at the moment. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I um, really like that uh, that Bochum picks up points even in games where they don't have a lot of chances in that way. I mean, they had um, 
they had six shots on target, but in my opinion, they didn't all look like they would definitely be goals. Um, of course, that, that free kick, you can still call it a free kick by, by Salah. Um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, I think Jewel really has it has a very good view over the situation and uses uses it very well and um yeah um really good goal for them and um i think Eisfeld already i think his first goal of the season was from a set piece as well so um he might get a bit more time in the following weeks especially when we come um to those number of um as we call them um yeah english weeks and um yeah it you can see that for Bochum, even the players that sit on the bench, um, they always have the confidence and they always have, yeah, the the, the fire you could say to come on and score, and um, that's something that can be very vital for them to at the rest of, uh, until the um, end of the season. And I mean, it's their best um, Zweite Liga season since, uh, well, I mean late 90s or something or beginning of the of the 1990s so yeah very good performance by them and um even though Jan had the better start into the second half um Bochum took over quite well I thought yeah I think the one thing that I could think about with Jan's especially first 40 45 was they were so passive and they were they were really scared of, of actually really taking the game on and and Borkham, for that portion, really had their way with them, but they couldn't find the back of the net. They did have that chance. Uh, you mentioned the ABK mistake, which really should have, they really should have scored from that. And and from there, it really snowballed into, you know, the result that was. It means Regensburg are now winless in their last five. And as we'll, we'll touch on in a moment, you know, the team's, that have that are really trying to close the gaps, the Sandhausens, the Braunschweig, St. Pauli's and Würzburger kickers of the world, you know, that gap is slowly decreasing. Uh very slowly. But, you know, they can't really afford to keep dropping points. Um, there is a real opportunity that they could be not only cut adrift from where they're at, um, but they could be really sucked into that relegation zone. And it just so happens their next two games are against Sanhausen and St. Pauli. So talk about two massive games for them. They are must-wins uh, if they are to give themselves that buffer they had a few weeks ago. Let's move to a team that desperately needed a win. It was Würzburger Kickers. They, of course, were coming off that 1-1 draw in midweek against St. Pauli. Uh, and they did the business against a pretty good Osnabrück side. Granted, Valfeld have struggled um, at home this season. And whilst it looked like Osnabrück were on their way to another victory when Sebastian Kirk scored goal number seven of the campaign, uh, Marvin Peeringer, who is on loan from Freiburg, he had other ideas. Two goals in the space of nine minutes. And then David Kopasch getting his second of the campaign, giving Würzburg a 3-1 lead. Uh, Werder Bremen loanee Luke Ehorst made it 3-2, but it wasn't enough for Osnabrück to get back. What an important win this is for for Würzburg, Robert. And, you know, we, we've seen them this season time and time again. They've been in a lot of the games. Like, they've they've been competitive. They've been able to test the goalkeepers. They, but as the results have shown, they'd only won once prior 
this is a good win for them because Osnabrück have been traveling relatively well this season. Um, just the question now is, is can they carry on with it? Yeah, a lot of um, surprising results uh, on this match day, and this was this was certainly one of them. Um, yeah, until I was sort of um, uh, lo- looking at their results recently, I, I don't think I quite realized how bad uh, Osnabrück's uh, run at home has been. Um, like you said, that was their fourth home defeat in a row, I think. Um, and um, yeah, sort of similar to the Nuremberg home game earlier in the season, um, when when they're caught out of position, I, th- I think when they when they get into their press, Osnabrück, they're they're very solid. But if you manage to catch them on the counter, or uh, if you manage to catch them disorganised, then they don't really have the pace. And um, yes, um, a very impressive away performance from Würzburg, and now um, unbeaten in two. It seems seems a bit strange from from Würzburg, though. I saw on Twitter, I think that was yesterday, that they sacked their goalkeeping coach again. Um, mm. So yeah, yeah they, don't seem, <laughs> they don't seem to be able to find much stability at the moment. So I'm still unsure if they're going to um, going to be able to work their way out of the situation. But um, if they carry on like they did on Saturday, then who knows? We we knew at the start of the season it would be a massive ask for them, and you know they have kind of they're very much you know kept the status quo of the of our expectations, but. You know they're they're very similar to to Wiesbaden, excluding the you know the the five nil beatings which Wiesbaden had a couple last season. They are they keep themselves in games. What they do have is a, is an incredible fighting spirit, which you know just makes it a little bit trickier to to get around them. And then the, their two wins, it's Osnabrück and and Hanover, have been the victims this season. You know, they just find, you know, they were able to find a way to get a win. And they're going to have to keep doing that. It's not going to be easy. They play Paderborn on the weekend. Um, so, who knows? But that win helps. And they were, you know, they were worth it because they, they were very um, industrious in this game. Let's move to the Milan Tour, St. Pauli, Holstein, Kiel. Uh, someone, I think it was Tom Webber, made the joke that these two sides play each other seamlessly every single, every other week. Uh, it is it is a rivalry game. These two sides do not like each other. Of course, there were no fans in the stadium, so there was not much atmosphere. It was interesting to see um, St. Pauli opting to start the two new signings, uh, Dion Stojanovic and goal Omar Mamouche, start leading the line alongside Guido Burgstall. It would be the latter who would open the scoring early in the second half. It was a pile-driving effort which cannoned off the bottom edge of the goal of the um, crossbar and into the back of the net. One way to endear yourself on your debut. But St. Pauli's defensive woes continued. It was, a, it was a really, really poor goal. And it was Joshua Mees getting his second of the campaign to ensure that Kiel would get a share of the spoils. But even the result might not be entirely truthful. St. Pauli played with a lot of energy early and probably should have had a bigger lead before it all fell apart. Yeah, we spoke about this off air. I thought that if you compare the two draws that St. Pauli had, of course, their uh, draw midweek against Würzburg, completely different St. Pauli sides in both games. Um, they were not good against Würzburg, but I really liked the performance against Kiel. I mean, Kiel is 
not only on paper, but is one of the better sides this season. And um, I really liked how from the beginning on how St. Pauli really brought it on the pitch. And uh, you could see that Mamouj is probably just from the energy he brings on the pitch alone is one of the players that was really missing from the St. Pauli squad. I mean, he could have easily had two, but I mean, once again, he was brilliant in goal. Um, I do think they did not have enough power to continue that um, that yeah way of playing in the second half um, for for the longer time of the second half. Um, you could see that with the goal, they kind of you could see they don't have the confidence yet to come back at the moment. Um, I did like uh, Stojanovic in goal. I mean. Um, Interesting, if we talk about goalkeepers, St. Pauli announced yesterday that Himmelmann from now on will train individually. Uh, he will not train with the team anymore. There's not a dis- disciplinary reason, but just um, yeah, sporting reasons uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I thought that you could all also see that maybe Burgstaller back on the pitch might have an influence um on, on the game that St. Pauli wants to play in the end. And, um, well, I mean, I was a bit, if we talk about that St. Pauli was better in that game, you also have to talk about Kiel, who did not impress me much throughout this game. I mean, of course, they, they're coming back from that St. Pauli league, but if you just take a look at the heat maps, um, yeah, Kiel wasn't really reaching that last third of, of St. Pauli's yeah, part of the pitch often and um, they really need to to win those games if they want to challenge uh, the other teams for promotion. Absolutely. Um, you know, they were fortunate in the way that, you know, Dusseldorf, Fürth weren't able to win. Same with Hamburg. You know, as, as Robert mentioned at the start, Borkham, the only side in the top five to get a win. Um, but yeah, they, 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 they missed the opportunity to go back on top. You know, and right the wrong from the defeat previous in the previous week. Um, but yeah, they, they, they just didn't come out with the same intensity that we've seen them produce this season. Um, but it is it should be mentioned that the almost the night and day transition from Ioannis Gelios, who you know was rightfully panned last season for being very mediocre, um, and this season he's been a completely different goalkeeper very competent, protects it very strong in his own area, uh, minimizing the mistakes, better by foot. Um, it's a, it's, it makes a difference when you have a keeper who is very, very, who's showing not only confidence, but has a command of the area. And he's done that this season. He was very, very good again in this game. Um, yeah. So it will be interesting to see if he continues that form. Uh, I did mention in my notes that, you know, St. Pauli really needed to win this game. We're going to talk about Sanhazen in the next section. Uh, they could have really used that win just to keep the buffer. Had they done done so, they would only have been a point behind Braunschweig in that playoff spot and two points behind Sanhazen. So, you know, they have some massive games coming up and they really need to start winning. Uh, the only problem is... You know, they play Hanover away, then it's Regensburg and Borkum. Like, they are some tough games. 
coming up, they need to they need to beat Regensburg at the very least to to at least feel like they are in a very challenging. You know, they're able to challenge. Sorry, um, the likes of Braunschweig and Sandhausen to get out of the bottom three. Let's take our final break, and on the other side, we'll look at the final three games, and we're going to start at the Benzler Arena when Paderborn hosted Erzgebirge Hour. Paderborn looked to get back to winning ways on match day 15 as they hosted Erzgebirge Hour, a side that was entering this weekend's action on the back of a victory. Paderborn really put the hammer down early when Sven Mikkel took only four minutes to open the scoring. Only his second goal of the campaign. Florian Kruger, who's been in great form this season, who had seven goals heading into this game, he made it his eighth of the campaign only two minutes later. With the game crying out for a winner, Paderborn were on the offensive. They really were the better side for the majority of the game. On 57 minutes, Julian Justvan got his first goal in Paderborn colours to give the hosts... A 2-1 victory and maybe just a little bit of hope going forward. Um, Robert, we've, we knew heading into the season Paderborn would be patchy. They have been this season. It's been a weird campaign for them because they clearly have a good squad of players that can make things happen. Against a pretty stout uh, our side, they did just enough to get a 2-1 win, but they, it could have easily been more. Yes, it seemed to be a return from our to their away form of last season. Um, never really, never really seemed to turn up. It was certainly a, a deserved uh, victory for Paderborn. Um, yeah, looking at the expected goals stats as well, um, two for Paderborn to 0.34 for our. So um, yes, um, good for uh, Julian Jostvan to um, get get his account going for the season and um, like you said it's been a bit stop start for Paderborn so far this season and maybe this can this can see them um, yes uh, solidify the, their position in the middle of the table and so that they don't either get relegated or promoted like they have done the past six seasons yeah stability is certainly nothing isn't something you really relate with Paderborn but um all jokes aside, they, they were very good in this game. And the crazy thing is, you look at that mid-table, and it is unbelievably close. From 6th all the way down to 12th is just 3 points. And Paderborn in 11th now, and our into 7th with that defeat. So it was, yeah, it was a pretty... Like, they've been okay this season away from home. They've taken 8 points from eight games, which is considerably better than what we expect from them. As per usual, it's, you know, they've accumulated more points from home. They're doing everything that we kind of expect them to do. They'll they'll lose a few away games, but in the end, um, they're probably not in a position where they're going to be troubled by the bottom three. So I think they lost to a better side, but, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for them. Let's move to Sandhausen as Sandhausen really needed to get into the winning groove. It'd been a long time, match day nine, in fact, when they last won. Of course, that was against Würzburger Kickers. And when Julius Biada opened the scoring on nine minutes against Heidenheim, it certainly seemed Sandhausen was on its ways. 
Then they were gifted the opportunity of a lifetime when Kevin Sasser was sent off and Heidenheim went down to 10 men. And Sandhausen really put the pedal to the metal with three goals to ensure a 4-0 victory. Niels Rosler, Alexander Rossipal and Kevin Behrens. And the stats say it all. The handicapping of having a, le- a, ma- a man down said it all. Sandhausen did what they had to do when the opportunity came either. When they were able to have the man advantage, they took advantage and took a much-needed victory. Yeah, I really want to point out uh, the importance of uh, Julius Biada in that game. I think um, he was involved in nearly every situation that um, yeah, was dangerous, not only for, for Heidenheim, but in general that uh, created any kind of chance for Zandhausen. Um I mean, of course, if you are a man down that early into a game, uh, it doesn't really help you. But I thought, um, I mean, Sandhausen already uh, was in lead uh, in that situation and uh, they could have had two at that stage already. And um, I think Heidenheim just couldn't find a way back into the game at any point. Um and I mean, we have seen games in which the team that is one man down uh, still, yeah, can get a point or even win the game. And I mean, um, yeah, Zandhausen really, I think for them it was really important to get a clean sheet in that game. And that's not easy, even if your opponent is a man down. And I mean, we know how uh, efficient Heidenheim can be. And yeah, I thought that especially, yeah, if we talk about a clean sheet we have we, we have to point out uh, Rick Wuller who of course was uh, the goalkeeper for that game for Sandhausen um, he saved um, yeah the five shots against him brilliantly and really was one of the reasons Sandhausen kept a clean sheet there I mean you could see how important that was Würzburg getting points St. Pauli only getting one point but still getting points as well um, yeah, was very important for them, and I thought it was deserved. Although, four might have been a bit too much. Yeah, yeah, but I guess um, you know they really needed this as a confidence-boosting performance, um, especially with their situation. And what it does is that they're only three points behind Jan Regensburg, and they are on the edge of catching the likes of Regensburg, Darmstadt, and to a lesser extent. Um, Nuremberg Heidenheim were just not even near it. and we it's the it's the lowest hanging fruit well they went down to 10 men and that's that's fine as as um as kind of like the the the, the breaker but they just kind of just rolled over and it just wasn't it was like well this one's done let's let's move on to the next one it was a really poor performance from them and uh, especially in what is considered a derby type game, you know, special for regional pride. I think they lowered their colours a little bit, excluding the, the 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 sending off. Anyway, let's move to our final game of the match day. It was last night's game. If you're listening on Tuesday or whenever day you choose to listen to the podcast, uh, the Monday night game, which was Eintracht Braunschweig and Fortuna Düsseldorf, and yeah, this game was not great. <laughs> Uh, a real lack of attacking um, fire, well, quality on the pitch for sure, but 
there was no cl- you know clinicalness in, in front of goal. A total of nine shots were taken by both sides, and this game ended goalless. What it means is that Dusseldorf remain unbeaten. Uh, their unbeaten run continues. The, uh, they have six games unbeaten, five wins and a draw. Braunschweig, like the other teams in the bottom four, picking up at least a point. Um, Robert, th- this game was really hard to really judge because it certainly felt like Dusseldorf had more to lose. Um, you know, they could have put themselves in a position to be tied for second. Instead, they remain equal on points with Greuterfurt. Going into the match day, uh, well, going into the Monday night game, um, as we as we said before, all the uh, all the teams around them, apart from Bochum, had uh, dropped points or slipped up slightly. So this could have been their their chance to um, really take advantage. Um, but yes, a pretty pretty turgid affair. Not not very good advert for title Bundesliga football. Um, I think, well, definitely Braunschweig will be the the happier of the two. It was only, only their second clean sheet of the um, of the season, and their defensive woes are, are well publicised. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think they'll be they'll be more happy with the point. Um, I think with um, Fortuna Düsseldorf, sometimes they perhaps rely a bit on uh, Kinan Karaman, and when when he's not firing or when he has a bit of an off day, then they struggle to create chances. And that was certainly, certainly the case yesterday. I think he had, he had the one noteworthy chance of the game and that was about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, Uwe Rösler's sides aren't particularly known for their flary attacking football. And that's, that's worked over the past few weeks. They've managed to sort of, um, get some, get some good results and build some forward momentum. Um, but yes, I think, um, that's possibly not a not a hugely not a hugely surprising result when both are possibly running out running out of steam or or sort of happy to to take the point. Absolutely, and what we also did see with Braunschweig is the uh, the debut of Briant Behrens, who joined from Armenia Bielefeld. He played in the back three with Janis Nikolau and, and I think it was Dominic Vidra. Um, and he played, his debut was fine. I mean, he was very astute. Thought he played quite well, and you know that that, that clean sheet is vital. When you looked at the goal difference at the bottom of the table, it could be the difference between them going down or staying at least in the playoff spot. It's not a bad result for them. I think Dusseldorf. Yeah, it's a, as you mentioned, Robert, a big missed opportunity. What it does is, and I think after 15 match days, we might as well take stock of what the Spider Bundesliga table looks like because it is there. There's a there's a pack that is forming, and you could almost separate them into three groups. And the top five, only separated by three points, Hamburg atop with Borkum, Kiel, Fürth, and Dusseldorf, and then as mentioned earlier, six to twelve is separated by only three points with Darmstadt and Regensburg kind of hanging on, but they're also teetering on the edge with Sandhausen, Braunschweig and St. Pauli, as well as Würzburger kickers rounding off the league. It is very, very tight. There's so much football to be played, and we hope that you will join us next week when we review all the action from Match Day 16. Big thank you to Robert and Eva for being a part of the team this week. Until next week, we'll see you then.